0: All right. Welcome back to episode six of the Let's Talk About God podcast. It's kind of hard to believe we're already on episode six right now. We are moving along. This is, And we're having fun, too. Oh, yeah. Just scooting along. Before we get going, we just want to say thank you so much for all of the positive response and feedback Uh, from everybody that we've heard. uh, You're enjoying it, and you're enjoying the format. You're enjoying the content. Um, We're always welcome to um. listen how we can make the podcast better but it's just been encouraging to hear so many people blessed by the podcast
1: yeah I've had the same thing happening and everybody that I talk to I always ask how can we make it better I mean yeah, give me, me some constructive criticism and people have just been so so kind and just said we love it just the way it is so that's that's kind of fun that's kind of exciting so um we're just we're glad it's 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 um it's blessing, everybody. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you've had a, since we last met, you've had some interesting events
0: in your life, major events, right? Oh, yeah. I closed on a house. Today is Thursday as we're recording it, so I closed on the house on Monday, your so fir- just a few days ago. Your first house. Very first house. Yeah. So. It's been exciting. Been a lot of work. I'm tired, because <laughs> it's been going all day between that or between like work. We had our third Wednesday service last night, so it's just been kind of crazy. Yeah, we went first thing we did is went
1: we painted, didn't we? Mm-hmm. We got that night. We celebrated, for dinner and then went put on the went paint to clothes work. And went to work. <laughs> and so it's turning out really nice. Oh yeah. Uh, on my end, uh I think on the last last podcast, you know, I told everybody I was in mourning cuz my boat engine blew up. Yeah. But uh since then, um I did something I didn't really ever want to do, but now I'm like a kid at Christmas. I'm 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 buying a brand new boat. Wow. I mean, I'm 53. I figure if I'm going to do it, now's the time to do it, and I'm supposed to get it one, tomorrow. One of these days, it's just any day. It's I'm waiting for the call. At some point. It, it's going to be ready, and so I'm just like I'm giddy. I'm just you know I'm giddy. Yeah. Like I said, a kid at Christmas. So <laughs> ready
0: for it to just get here, yeah. get out on the lake, yeah. catch some fish, catch some largemouth. I'm I'm ready. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, hey, we're going to get into the podcast today. Um, At the time that we're recording this, it's March, but when you'll be listening to it, we should be right around Easter time. And so we thought that it was fitting to talk about the main event of Easter, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we wanted to have an episode where we talk about the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus um, our resurrection. We want to talk about it all and kind of fill you in on the importance of this resurrection event and the importance of Easter um, to kind of put that in contact on wow in context as we enter into this Easter season. So as we enter into this, why just starting off? Why is talking about the resurrection important? Why why is the resurrection important? Why discuss it? Well. The most fundamental reason is that the resurrection of Jesus from
1: the dead is the foundation of the Christian faith. I mean, it is the capstone. Yeah. It's if there's an arch, it's the keystone. It's what it's what holds it together. If you don't have that, there is no Christian faith. If you do not have the resurrection of Jesus from from the dead, then uh then th- this is all a sham. Yeah, what's the point? It, th- this is it, it's just not the major tenet of the Christian faith, it is the power behind the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Because He lives, I can live. Because He lives, uh, we'll get into this today. There is validation of this declaration of God reconciling with man. I mean, it. it, it this is it. This is the. This is the mother of all topics, if you will. Because uh, if this one's true, as we believe it is. Then everything else hinges on it. Yeah,
0: and if it's not true, then everything else begins to fall apart. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Then this is a false religion. Yeah, exactly. And I think the Apostle Paul actually shows us this. Shows us that as we're getting into it, first he shows us the major, major, major importance and um, foundation of the resurrection, and then in just a moment we can talk about, or he actually goes into the implications if this thing isn't real. But um, let's look at that that basic formula in in 1 Corinthians 15, three through five, this is just sort of like a foundational message for the Christian faith that hinges on the resurrection. It says, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. Now let's talk about this for a second. Wouldn't we consider this almost like an early church creed or common saying in a way?
1: I think so because it is. It is the essence of the gospel. Um, <clears throat> it, and, and when I say that, maybe we should say it, it. It contains this passage contains the facts of the gospel. Yeah. Okay. So it's not. It's not. You're a sinner. It's not everything. It's yeah. not everything. You're a sinner, but you got to put faith in Christ and repent. It's not that. It's not a. It's not that. Uh, Approach mm-hmm. a soteriological approach, as we'd say, having to do with salvation. It's a it's a historical, factual mm-hmm. approach. So he's saying four things. The four pillars are: is that Jesus died, he was buried, he ra- he was raised from the dead, and then he appeared to people, which yeah. was the validation of the resurrection. And so, th- this again, th- these are the facts of the gospel. And upon that, then you build the salvation aspect mm-hmm. of the gospel. But this has to take place. Yeah. And by the way, Evan, we didn't say this, but uh, we were talking about how important this is. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus is mentioned uh, directly over 100 times in the New Testament. Wow. I mean, that's that's incredible. That, that's a tremendous amount of material. It was a central teaching of the apostles. It was the subject. This is interesting. It was the subject of every yeah. sermon in the book of Acts. Wow. Every sermon. That's so crazy. that's how critical the gospel is. They were telling people this is what happened. He died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, and he appeared to people. Wow. And so th- that's critical.
0: Yeah, that is critical. And as we see Paul beginning, this is at the very beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he is sort of laying that foundation for the necessity of the resurrection the importance of the resurrection that as we move on to 12 through 19 Paul actually begins to talk about well what if the resurrection isn't real like we're declaring that it is but what are the the negative implications if if there is no resurrection at all and so we're going to go ahead and read this it's it's a little bit lengthy but this is so so important 1 Corinthians 15 verses 12 through 19 says this Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Wow.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that he went down this road, and it's, and it's the negative approach, uh, to, to an issue shows how strongly this issue was to Paul. And you can feel the passion just when you read it. You can feel the passion that Paul was saying, this is how important this is. Mm-hmm. You know, what he's saying is if what is Jesus had not been raised from the dead, would it make any difference? And he's saying, yes, it it would make an incredible amount of difference. For example, let's just look at this. Here's Here's the first thing he says, Christian preaching— that which we do today, you and I do. Mm-hmm. That's what we do f- f- with our lives. That's our calling. Christian preaching is a meaningless and useless endeavor. It's in
0: vain. It's
1: empty. It's it's, it's a waste of time. Yep. Why? Because the object of the message, who, who, is, Je- who is Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. here's important. He's not who he said he was.
0: He's not God.
1: No, he's not. And he's not the sacrifice for man's sins. And he's not the Messiah. And He's not the savior of the world. He's none of that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said earlier, that would make Christianity a false religion, mm-hmm. because he claimed to be something and he claimed to be doing something. For this reason, was the son of, Did has the Son of Man come to, to seek and to save that which was lost, that he might give his life as a sacrifice for many? You know, all those times when Jesus was talking in in salvation terms about his purpose. Uh, well, it was all a lie,
0: because ultimately Christ is saying, "I've come to be that sacrifice to take you out of your sins." Paul actually follows up. In this, he says, you're still in your sins. If Christ hasn't been raised, you're still a sinner. Redemption is not possible. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. And that means
1: every sinner is enslaved to the bondage of, bondage of sin and its eternal consequences. Yeah. There's no out. There's no out. There's no salvation. There's no getting right with God, no reconciliation, no justification, no being adopted by the Heavenly Father and becoming a son or a daughter of God. If, if and, and this is the part, a lot of people don't think about this, And I said, well, well, he died. Does that not count for something? Well, yes and no. He died. He had to die. John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He had to die as that lamb, that sacrificial Mm -hmm. lamb. Uh, But if he died just like every other lamb, then it wouldn't be an eternal sacrifice. He had to come back to life uh, to be the eternal sacrifice, a sacrifice yeah. that now has lasting, instead of just a momentary sacrifice, like like a lamb or a bull or a goat, he gives his blood, but then he comes back to life. Mm-hmm. And now he lives eternally, and his
0: his death lives on eternally. I think too. This undermines the doctrine of the union with Christ. Paul says we're in Christ. He uses it. Just read read the New Testament. Read Paul. He says it all of the time. It's his favorite phrase. It's his yeah, his favorite phrase. So if we're going to be in Christ or or unified with Christ, we might join in His death. Then <laughs> that means we're still dead too. We haven't joined in His life, in His resurrection life, to not only die to sin but live a life towards God. Everything that Christ did for us was as a substitute for us in our place on behalf of us. So when we join with Christ, we don't only want to join in his death to sin, we want to join in his life to live a life for God. Yeah, let's
1: go in the deep end of the pool. There In the book of Ephesians, Paul says some things that uh, to me, and I'm a theologian, they can almost be difficult to grasp. Uh, he says that when Christ died, when I got saved, I, I identified with his death, mm-hmm. okay? So uh, when Christ died, he created this, this situation, if you will, where every believer who put their faith in him, who put their faith in him, would identify with him in his death and his resurrection, in his ascension and his exaltation. So he said, uh, "You have you have died with Christ, you have been raised with Christ, you have been made to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, So, positionally, we are—we may be, uh, you know, physically here on Earth, but positionally, spiritually speaking, we are—we're in the right hand of the Father, where Jesus is. Yep. None of that can happen if He didn't rise from the dead. Yeah. Okay. And so, for me, you're—you're dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible says. So when I get saved, and I become a new creation, I need to experience new life. That's why in water baptism. We we symbolize this. We, prof- we this is a public profession. I take you. I take a candidate under the water, okay, and the old sinful you has died, just like Jesus died on the cross. Mm-hmm. But then I bring you up out of the water, symbolic of a resurrection coming up out of the grave. You're by the way, you've changed. You went in dry, you come out wet. Yeah. You, when you go in Christ, you go in with sin. You come out a saint, clean. Yeah. And you come up out a new person. A new creation, old things have passed away; all things have become new. How do all? Th- how can all things become new? It is through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Okay, and so, and so, you're right. If if for all of that to be true, Jesus has to come back from the dead. If I'm going to experience this this life, this life, Jesus, said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Mm-hmm. But that means He has to be the resurrection and the life. Yeah. And that means he has to resurrect, which mm-hmm. he did. Um, Paul also says that um, the, the, all the apostles are liars and deceivers. I mean, you know, not just him, but wow. all of them. Which means, what does that mean? Their message can't be trusted, and if you can't trust that message, that you can't trust anything they've said or done. Which means you can't trust the Bible. Yeah. So you understand why I say Christianity now becomes a false religion. It, it means the the Bible is no different than any other man made book uh,
0: that that claims to be mm-hmm. spiritual truth. It's not. Because if you're going to lie about the resurrection, lie about anything else, you're not trustworthy. You're not trustworthy, and- absolutely.
1: Uh, another fact uh, that Paul brings up is that there's no resurrection of the dead for those who are deceased. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we preach funerals, and uh, for those who died in Christ, we have the, the the wonderful opportunity to say to people, yes, you're grieving, but we don't grieve as the world grieves because they're not here, they're in heaven with the mm-hmm. Lord. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, and one of these days we're going to see them, and one of these days is going to be a resurrection, and everybody's going to be in glorified bodies. We're all going to be together one day. Um, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he's the first fruits yeah. of the resurrection. So for everybody else to be able to be resurrected, he had to be resurrected. Yeah, see, he had to lead the way. He had to lead the way, or it was never going to happen for the rest
0: of us. So Paul says that that's critical. Mm-hmm. It's that's kind of a crazy implication because in reality that strips the christian faith of all hope cuz that's the end that's the end game that's eternity that's where we're all headed is the resurrection from the dead it's not just living this life now but eternity with him and if there is no resurrection the christian faith is lost all hope
1: right because we are we're just pilgrims and travelers down here we're mm-hmm. aliens in a foreign land uh, even though this might be the land i was raised in it, it's not this world is not my home. We're just passing through, as the old song says. Yeah, and so um, there is there is more. Yeah, and so but it. How can I experience it? It has to be through the resurrection of Jesus. Um, I think it's also interesting that Paul said that even if Jesus could save you in this life, okay, say through the death, but he didn't resurrect. Mm-hmm. But somehow you could still experience salvation. It, this goes with what you just said. It connects. It would never translate to any life after death. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody once said that even if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, they would still follow him because his life would be still the best life to live. Well, I mean, that sounds so noble. But the reality is it would still be empty because once you once you
0: died, you're done. I say eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> yeah, right. Why would I suffer? Why would I love my enemies? Why would I take on the difficult parts of the Christian faith that Jesus has called us to, I can just kind of live a selfish life, because once it's done, it's done anyway. It's, it's done,
1: it's over, it's, and it'll make life just a short, miserable existence. Yeah. So Paul saw it. it, this is, it does, does it make any difference whether or not Jesus rises from the dead? <laughs> Absolutely. It makes yeah, all, the all the difference.
0: All the difference. Yeah, that's good. And, and I think that, that leads us naturally to where we're going, is that since the resurrection— is so important since the resurrection is foundational to the Christian faith, since in reality the resurrection the, the whole Christian faith faith hinges on this resurrection, we need to be able to accurately and um, powerfully defend the veracity of the resurrection. We need to be able to show that it is plausible, that it is realistic, that it actually happened. Um, a, a defense of something we would use uh, we would use the word apologetic. Right. We want to have a good. Christian apologetic for the resurrection. And so as we dive into this podcast, um, we we want to spend a, a large portion of our time showing you that you can trust that the resurrection definitely happened. Because we know that in this Easter time, um, when you cut on the TV to the History Channel, when you get Time Magazine, when you get whatever else— you're going to see the the headlines that happens every year did Jesus really rise from the dead who was the real Jesus the historical Jesus you're you're going to get all of this kind of nonsense and we want to show you can trust this resurrection it really did happen
1: absolutely you need to be able to defend it Josh McDowell wrote a book called Evidence that Demands a Verdict it's a great book and Josh McDowell uh, is an apologist and th- he said this one time he said after more than 700 hours of studying the subject he's talking about the resurrection and thoroughly investigating its foundation, I have come to the conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus is one of the most wicked, vicious, heartless hoaxes ever foisted upon the minds of men, or it is the most fantastic fact of history. Wow. And, and the point of this podcast is we want you to believe and know that it is the most fantastic fact of history. Wow. So yeah, I'm like you, Evan. Let's just kinda of go down this because down this road because throughout the centuries, um skeptics and critics have attempted time and again to um claim that the resurrection was a hoax, mm-hmm. try to disprove it. And there is so much evidence. So what I like to do for just a little bit, let's just talk about some of these theories. Some of them you may have heard before, some of them you may have never heard before. Um, they, they're usually divided into two categories. It, there are theories that deal with an occupied tomb, so as if Jesus is in the tomb. Then the other category are the empty tomb theories, okay? Mm-hmm. So the occupied tomb, um, one of the theories that came out early on was the unknown tomb theory. And basically, there was this concept that when criminals were executed in that day, that they weren't given a burial, mm-hmm. that they were simply thrown into an unknown pit, and so what they say is the women went to a to a to a tomb, uh, and I evidently went to the wrong tomb. Um, and so they, it was, he wasn't there, and so they thought he was. You know, resurrected when in reality he never was in a tomb. He now was we thrown build the whole
0: Christian faith around.
1: Right, he he was thrown in some pit somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and and so that was a theory that somebody came up with. Um, his archaeology and history have shown that none of that's true. As a matter of fact, there are records of uh, actually a guy who was crucified, uh, and I will have his name right now. Uh, but they they have historical records where he was buried. Mm-hmm. So that whole concept that all criminals were thrown into a pit. You know, the unknown grave, unknown tomb is just not true. And all four gospels record the burial of Jesus in a tomb, okay? And also, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23 required the burial of criminals on the day of their execution. And Jesus was a Jew, and so the Jews would have made certain that he was buried, not thrown in some tomb somewhere. And it's interesting because Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, the women followers of Jesus, and even uh, adversaries, the Roman guards, knew the location of the tomb.
0: Yeah, So this theory is kind of out the window. And I think it's important to look at, too, it was Joseph's tomb. He let Jesus have it, and Joseph was a prominent figure. He was a public figure. Um, and so the idea that the disciples would look at this empty tomb, not listen to anybody else, not go and verify it, not ask somebody and just sort of run off and create this whole religion and do all this nonsense that they they wouldn't do that if they even felt a bit unsure or if they began proclaiming this message Joseph Joseph of Arimathea would say no 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 he's in my tomb you want to come check it out people would know to go to him he was a public figure that they could begin to speak to he was a member of the sanhedrin yeah. which would have been like i you know i've always said it would be like being in the United States Senate or being on the United States Supreme Court mm-hmm. I mean, that's he's at that level, and this is all happening in Jerusalem, the city where Jesus was crucified and buried. This was local. Yeah, this they wasn't done sneak in secret. Anything past no, people. this was a very public
1: execution. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that's one theory. Another theory has been called the wrong tomb theory, and here's what it argues. Basically, it's early Sunday morning. It's dark. The women are stressed out emotionally because of the death of Jesus, mm-hmm. weeping and mourning all weekend. They want to go to the tomb, and in the early darkness, they go to the wrong tomb, and it happens to be empty. And they get all excited and they say, They come running back and say, Jesus is not there. And then the thing just snowballed into the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and, and so that's kind of how that, that whole thing happened and mm-hmm. then it just it got away from them. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's somebody said, Well, that's an answer. Well, here's the problem. If they went to the wrong tomb, then so did Peter and John. Yep. They weren't the only ones. And even if they did go to the wrong tomb, it goes back to what we just said. Joseph of Arimathea said, Well, <laughs> come here, I'll show you the right tomb. Mm-hmm. The Roman guards would have said, We'll show you the right tomb. Uh the Pharisees. Yeah. Would have stopped that real quick and said, oh, no, 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 no. We can take you to the tomb because we know exactly where it's at. And here's another thing. Uh, if the women went to the wrong tomb, how did they see the empty grave clothes? Yeah. Plus, who, what was that? Yeah. And then what does that do with the angel story who said, he is not here, he is risen? Okay, so it just totally, it it kills that mm-hmm. one. Uh, the next one is called The Legend Theory. And it argues that the accounts of Christ's resurrection did not crop up until years later. In other words, uh, you know, however many, maybe a hundred, two hundred, three years later, somebody said, "Hey, let's make up this story about Jesus that that he rose from the dead." And that one's just ridiculous because the resurrection accounts that we have uh, were all written down by eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't secondhand. So you really have a hard time making that one fly. As a matter of fact. Uh, In 1 Corinthians, Paul says that in 56 AD, which would have been about 20 years Mm -hmm. afterwards, that there were approximately 500 firsthand witnesses living who had seen Jesus. Mm -hmm.
0: So uh, that theory is just kind of— out the window. And it's important to note, too, Mm -hmm. that the gospel of Mark was the first gospel that was written. And so they've done some some research, scholars have done some research, and Mark used a source, obviously, to sort of jog his memory to be able to write the gospel of Mark. Well, they believe that the source that Mark used was written something like four to six years after the life of Jesus. So the very first you know, document that records the death and the resurrection of Christ is something like four to six years after his actual life that records it. Mark later on uses that as a source to write his gospel. So it's been written down, been recorded, I mean, four to six years is nothing. Plus, Mark was also directly
1: influenced by the Apostle Peter, Mm -hmm. who was a first-hand witness
0: of everything,
1: Mm -hmm. everything. He was there that night when he was, when Jesus was taken to Herod's and Caiaphas's houses and the whole kangaroo court that mock trial that happened and he was there. He was there. He saw it. Um, maybe we need to stop right here and just make one point. Uh, if you're listening right now, and you got, you're saying, well, you guys keep talking about the Bible and you talk about, you know, how, how do we know these people? How do we trust these people? I just want to can I address that just. Yeah, a minute? go ahead. Um, you know, obviously we're coming with a theistic worldview. Okay, so we believe. Um, God, the God of the Bible exists. That miracles are possible. That they do happen. Um, we we believe that the Bible is is more than just a spiritual book. It's a historical book. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it has been validated through archaeology and and extracurricular or non biblical references and mm-hmm. resources have validated it. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and so so when we talk about it today, we don't have the time to do a whole apologetic on our defense of why we believe the the record of the Bible, but the the authenticity, authenticity of the new Testament documents, uh, and the reliability of the new Testament writers on our case are assumed. Uh, but you know, if we took the time today and and we we could validate that the four gospel writers who gave us the story of the resurrection are, are very trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And if you took, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John into a courtroom separately, and they were interrogated or an attorney questioned them, they would all tell the same story, much like they did in the Gospels. But if you put four people into a courtroom that that all saw the same event, they're not going to tell the story the exact same way. They're, as far
0: as minor details, right, exact details.
1: details. One's going to see, emphasize one thing, another's going to, whatever, recording their personality, et cetera the gospel writers all gave, and that's why they're not all the same the mm-hmm. stories they some emphasize one thing more than others but but in if you they were in a courtroom and a jury or a judge was listening the jury the judge would say uh, these are four credible witnesses because mm-hmm. they're all telling the same thing yeah and so the, the the minor facts are different which is fine that doesn't hurt anything but they they all saw the same thing and that's why we believe that what these men wrote down, okay, and like you said, Mark. Uh, Mark may not have been, or, or Luke may not. Let's take Luke. Luke may not have seen actually Jesus or the resurrection, but he, they got firsthand witness. Now Matthew did. He was one mm-hmm. of the apostles, and John did. John was there through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. John walked all the way through. John's gospel. If you could trust anybody, John went into Caiaphas's house. Yeah, John, I think, was there at probably when Jesus was at, before Pilate. We know he was at the cross. John walked all the way through John went to the empty tomb Peter ran to the empty tomb John mm-hmm. outran him yeah. because John was probably younger and so we we have got eyewitnesses that help us to know that when we talk about the Bible and the gospels yeah. we're making a reference here to sources that that if you put them in a court of law they would be validated today
0: and you're always going to have um minor differences because all history is interpreted history there's no such thing as Absolute pure objective history. Everybody runs it through their own filter. It's very subjective, right? Everybody does. And so as we begin to look at the Gospels and you see, well, why didn't they include this story or why, why didn't they focus on this thing? Why did they leave this detail out? It's not because they're historically inaccurate, it's because Matthew has um, his own, you know interpretation as far as running it through his filter and he's writing it for his own purpose. So Matthew is writing specifically for the Jewish people. So he's going to leave some details out because it doesn't serve his purpose. Luke is writing specifically for the Gentiles to understand the gospel. So he might include some things or leave some things out. Why? Because he's writing it for a purpose. Mark, he's just trying to get you to the cross as fast as possible. Yeah. So he leaves a whole lot out. And then John's doing his own thing <laughs> over there. And so as you look at some differences in the scripture, it's not because they're, you know, they're they're wrong or, you know, they don't know everything or anything like that. It's not like that at all. They've just got their own purposes. And this is true for all history. Yeah, we laugh uh for the
1: American. American Revolution, uh, f- for those in America, it was a revolution. For the British, it was a rebellion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just depending on what side exactly. you're on uh, is your viewpoint, but you're exactly yeah. right. And so um, so we're going to assume today that the gospel writers, which we do with great confidence, were very valid mm-hmm. uh, witnesses. Yeah. So all right, let's get back to the theories. Yeah. Um, another theory was a, a spiritual resurrection theory. And it basically says that Jesus' body was placed in that tomb, mm-hmm. Joseph's tomb, okay, but it never came out. It decayed, it stayed there, but that Jesus had a spiritual resurrection. So his spirit came out, yeah. and then everybody saw the spirit of Jesus. And so that one has a lot of problems <clears throat> because that's it's like a contradiction. To have a resurrection, you have to have a body.
0: Yeah, spiritual resurrection doesn't Exist. No, it doesn't exist. A thing,
1: so it's not a thing. It's made up. Yeah. So it's a contradictory term. Mm-hmm. So you can't. If you're gonna have a resurrection, you have to have a spirit not coming out of a body. You have to have a spirit going back yeah. into a body. Yeah. And so that's true. And then Jesus himself denied being a spirit. If you remember, mm-hmm. he actually said that in Luke chapter twenty four verse thirty nine. He mm-hmm. said, "Touch me. I'm not a spirit." He said that. Yeah. Come see. You know, touch me. Come, come touch my hands and see me. And he ate food, yeah. which, which you would do with a body. And then again, it, we're going to mention this time and again, it, if it was a spiritual resurrection and his body stayed in the tomb and decayed, how do, you, how do you give an account
0: for the grave clothes and eventually
1: an empty tomb?
0: Yep. And I think when we look at the background of this, the Christian faith um, you know, began as a Jewish faith. And when we look at the Jewish conception of a resurrection, it never is a... <laughs> let's finger quotes spiritual resurrection it is always thought of in terms of a bodily resurrection Body, right. they had no mental framework for a spiritual resurrection that was more you know greek hellenistic way of thing seeing things that wasn't in their interpretive framework
1: no no they they would not have wrapped their
0: their minds around something like that Hey, we hope that you're enjoying the discussion on the resurrection today. And if you find yourself really interested in this topic and you want to learn more about the resurrection and you want to learn more about why we can trust it, I want to give you just a couple of resources that will help you dive deeper. Uh, The first one of those is a book called The Case for Christ. By Lee Strobel. Maybe you've even heard of this book before. This book is an absolute classic. It shouldn't take you too long to read. It's only about 336 pages. Um, and this book is a classic and it'll break down quite literally the case for Christ. Lee comes at this from like a journalist perspective, and he breaks down why we can believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and that he is resurrected from the grave. So that would be a good intro material to to see the evidence why we can believe um, in Jesus and who he says he is. Now, if you want to dive deep, if you want to go way deeper than that, dive into the deep end of the pool, I'm going to recommend you a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh and Sean McDowell. This book is a classic. And in 2017, they actually came out with a reprint that's an updated version. And this book is an absolute classic. It is standard for understanding why we can trust that Jesus Christ really did Um, raise, you know, resurrect from the dead three days later after his death. Now this book is pretty thick it's pretty long it's going to be you know a little bit more of a challenging read but if you're saying i'm interested in this i'm all in i want to learn more about the resurrection of jesus i want to learn more about this evidence that does demand a verdict this book is the book for you so if this topic interests you at all check out a couple of those resources i think they're going to help you now let's get back to the podcast
1: the uh, the last one of the occupied tomb theories is called the hallucination theory and this one's really interesting and so here's here's what they say um that on that easter sunday morning and thereafter people thought they had seen jesus they hallucinated okay and that's that's the that's the that's the concept they said well people just hallucinated it was just and, and here's the problem with that one psychologists and psychiatrists will tell you it is highly unlikely for the same two people or two or more persons to have the same hallucination. It's just the odds of that are, are unbelievable. Uh, Furthermore, people who have hallucinations are usually, you know, people with mental health issues, maybe Mm -hmm. schizophrenic or paranoia or on heavily on drugs, as we know that can happen. None of that fits all of these multiple witnesses who we've just stated were credible People of integrity. So uh it's just and here's the other thing the disciples weren't inclined to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. It was the opposite.
0: If you read mm-hmm. the gospel stories, they they were inclined to disbelieve. They were hiding, they were sad, they were mourning, like they weren't expecting they you they didn't even when Jesus straight up told them I'm gonna rise from the dead, they're like, What? You're going to do what? They couldn't they had, grasp it. They had no clue. And then
1: Mary Magdalene comes running back and says, I've met him. He's risen from the dead. He's alive. They didn't, The Bible says they didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't this worked up mental state mm-hmm. where they were conjuring up an image of Jesus. It was the opposite. So that that theory, again, doesn't work. And finally, yeah. like I said, we'll keep bouncing back to this. It's, even a hallucination theory does not, how do you explain an empty tomb?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you explain The broken seal.
0: Yeah. How do you explain the guards? You just can't do it. And I think this goes back once again. We've got to look at that Jewish framework of mind. They had a concept of the Messiah, but the concept of the Messiah was not someone who was going to die on a criminal's cross full of shame and then rise again three days later. Their concept of of the Messiah was an even better king david to come and kill all the enemies overthrow the roman empire restore them back to this great kingdom of the days of solomon yeah this big arnold schwarzenegger figure who's just gonna just you know start punching everybody in the face like they thought they were getting a military leader not someone dying on a criminal's cross and so this concept that the messiah would rise again once again it's not in their interpretive framework to even make this up. It's just not there. No, not at all. So those are the the occupied tomb theories. Now, the empty
1: tomb theories have been more prevalent, and mm-hmm. and so we'll just talk about some of those. The first one is, is the theory that he was stolen by the disciples. Now, this one actually is found in the Bible, because when Jesus rises from the dead, there's a Roman guard that is placed there by the Pharisees. They went to Pilate, and said, "Can we make it secure, just in case the disciples do try to come and steal him away and say that he rose from the dead?" And so there was preventative action taken, not just by the adversarial Jewish leaders, but also the Roman government, the power of Rome. That's mm-hmm. why when they put that seal on the door, that put the entire the power of the entire Roman Empire on that situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so uh, so the theory says that while the guards slept that the disciples came and they stole the body away. And and so that's what they when it happened, that they the 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 Jewish leaders told the uh the guards, say, that's what you tell people. Just say that while we were asleep, the disciples came and stole his body away. Mm-hmm. And and then we'll cover for you with Pilate because if you usually if something like that happened, you would be you would be killed Yeah, the, the, the soldiers should have been Somebody executed escaped, yeah. yeah if they escaped and so they said we'll cover for you and then that's the story we're going to tell mm-hmm. now here's the question this can be just busted apart first of all you got frightened intimidated fishermen yeah <laughs> followers of a rabbi okay who have no look we know we know peter's skills with a sword I mean, he can't he even. Missed. He missed exactly. He, <laughs> he missed. You cut your
0: ear off. Yeah,
1: yeah. He could swing a fishing rod, but he couldn't swing a sword. <laughs> and so we know, you know, how 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 good. So how do you do this? How do you how do you tiptoe? Let's just assume the guards were asleep. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, they wouldn't be asleep because their duty was to guard the tomb. But let's just suppose they all fell asleep. What do you do? Do you tiptoe through the guards? Okay, uh, 11 apostles, and then what about the stone? A a one-and-a-half-ton stone. How do you quietly push, roll back back a a one-and-a-half-ton stone, (laughs) okay? Then you sneak in, and you get the body of Jesus, okay? Now, is is there a whole collusion thing here where somebody said, Thomas said, hey, let's do something cool. Be quiet. Let's take his grave clothes and wrap them off, but then lay them here, you know, make it look like... That he rose from the dead, and meanwhile, Bartholomew's over here rolling, r- r- folding up the napkin to his head and lay it to the side because that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And so they went to all that effort, okay, and uh, and 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 then they tip they carry his body and tiptoe through the guards. All right, and here's the question: What happened to his body? where did it go? So that's a question we don't know where did it go, okay? And then, then they go around the next day saying, "Jesus is alive." That's the story. Yeah. Okay. And then when they start preaching this, the Roman government crashes down on them, and these men who know that it is not true, that it's a hoax, become martyrs and give their li- their lives for a lie, for something they made up. And not one of them under
0: pressure, mm-hmm. because every one of them died a martyr's death. Some of them they were tortured. Except for John, who the uh, the story goes, they set him on fire and he wouldn't burn. And he wouldn't Anyways. burn. Yeah, he's the only one who died of old age. But
1: but but so you don't think one of them would have cracked and said, "It's not true."
0: Absolutely, they would have.
1: This whole thing is just. Uh, it's ridiculous, yeah, it is. and so the, it just it would it would have made the disciples the most pious frauds that ever lived. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the stolen by the 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 disciples theory. Uh, another one, this is kind of crazy, is that
0: Joseph of Arimathea moved the body. I hadn't heard that one. That is that's brand new to me. Well, it, it also it, makes no sense. Well,
1: that's the point. What reason would he do that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, maybe he just said, you know, this is my tomb. <laughs> I plan never to mind. get Yeah, never I plan to get buried here. I'm gonna yeah. move you to some other Um Well, here's the problem. I mean, why would he do that? When would he have done it? Because the tomb mm-hmm. was sealed and the guards were there, so you can't make that happen. And then let's just suppose, for the sake of argument, that he did move the body for whatever reason, and then they start preaching, Oh, the tomb's empty, Jesus is alive. What would Joseph do? Say, I moved the body. He just say, guys, come here, I'll take you to the body, it's over mm-hmm. here, I can show you the body. I can show anybody the body. He's not, he's not resurrected from the dead. So that one is just again, these are skeptics and critics who are just some grasping at some reason yeah, to say anything. that this is not true. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, you know, this one says that Joseph moved the body. Another one says that the Roman authorities or the Jewish authorities moved the body, and the reason was so there would be no deception by Jesus' disciples by asserting a resurrection. Um, the simple answer to this is, okay, so if they move the body, because they just wanted to control the body, right? mm-hmm. so they didn't want the, all right, well, then Mary comes to the tomb well the body's been moved. She starts screaming, Jesus alive. Look, all they had to do is just, just like Joseph, all they had to do is go get the body. Well, and why would a Roman guard be there? Well, exactly. Guarding an empty tomb. <laughs> well, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. It. This one just doesn't fit mm. the facts at all. The last one has been real popular. It's been around a long time, and I saved it for last. It's called the swoon theory. And here's here's what they argue, that while hanging on the cross, Jesus didn't really die. He fainted. You know, he swooned. He fainted. Okay? Well, um, he fainted from exhaustion. So they take him down off the tomb. uh, Joseph—so I'm going to go ahead and tell you what happens. So Joseph and Nicodemus wrap him in 100 pounds of spices— and he's in a mummy, a mummified. He's wrapped up, okay. And they got his face covered with a cloth. They carry his body into a. The in the tomb was a cave. If you didn't know that, so mm-hmm. they take him into this cave. All right, he's he's passed out. He doesn't know any of this is happening. They lay him in this cave. They roll a one and a half ton stone over the door. He is in the dark, okay, and he comes back to to, to himself, okay. He comes back from fainting from exhaustion. That would be terrifying. That's like yeah. something off of a horror movie. Yeah. That you're laying there in a dark cave, pitch black, wrapped up, and 100 pounds of spices holding you down. You have lost blood. You are weak. You are You are barely living anyway because you've been hanging on a cross for six hours, okay? They've been trying to kill you. Now, here's the argument, but here's what Jesus did. He fought his way through the hundred pounds of spices and pulled somehow got him out of that wrapping wrapped like a mummy, and uh, and then he put the grave clothes but he kept the grave clothes back in a position where it looked like that he had risen through him while he, in the pitch black while in the way. pitch black and folded up the napkin on his hand and put it over the side then with loss of blood weak. And hardly able to stand, somehow he went over there and he rolled back a one and a half ton stone. And then there were Roman guards and he took them all on and beat them all. And then he went stumbling back to Peter's house in this weak, pale form and said with a weak voice, I have risen from the dead. That's the theory. That's the theory. I mean, come on, man. It takes more faith to believe Uh, that than it does the Bible. Like, that's honestly comical. Like, that's hilarious. When you start telling it like that. It's funny, you know? (laughs) That's (laughs) hilarious. And then, what? Okay, so just say all that happened, which you couldn't. All right. And so they all believe him and he shows himself alive for 40 days, but then. You know, he disappeared. So if he's not God, because that's the point, he didn't ascend back to heaven. Mm-hmm. What? Where did he go? Yeah, What? What? where did he end up? What became of Jesus after that? Uh, anyway, so. That's hilarious. Uh, so anyway, that's all the theories, and they're dumb.
0: Yeah, legit. <laughs> don't make any sense at all. They don't make any I sense. love the swoon theory, because that's just yeah. so ridiculous, so easy to like disprove right then and there, even just describing it. Like, it's like you, you can't help but laugh when you're just even describing what this swoon theory is. Um, but I think the the last one that we can talk about, and then maybe we can go into like a lightning round of just like quick yep. quick little things um, that prove the resurrection, but finally, like um, the apostle Paul says, um, Jesus and his resurrected state visited over 500 people while being I mean as the resurrected Jesus. That means that there are 500 people, and as Paul's writing that, he's saying there are people still alive today that you can go talk to. I challenge you, go speak to them, go ask them what they saw, see if their testimonies lined up. Um, There are 500 people over saying, Jesus Christ is risen, and I saw him. Right. Um, You
1: have to look at all the witnesses, not just them, Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. Um, There were other women who saw him. Peter saw him. The two men on the road to Emmaus. Uh, I always felt sorry for those guys. Yeah, uh, they're they're walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus joins them and supernaturally hides himself. They they don't they can't see who he is. That he's making this happen. They get to a uh, an inn or somewhere where they're going to stay, and they talk him into staying with him. He, he breaks bread. He gives he breaks bread, gives thanks, and their eyes are opened, and they they realize who he is. And the whole time he's talking on the road, he's explaining to them about the resurrection. He's telling them scriptures. Their eyes are open. And then he vanishes.
0: Yeah. Poof. Now, that would scare the living daylights out of anybody. <laughs> and you'd be upset because you just realized who you've been talking to, God, <laughs> right, incarnate. And he, right. And
1: you just, now <laughs> I get mean, it. And gone. Then he's
0: gone. So, But they that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Well, I,
1: I feel sorry for them because yeah. instead of staying where they were, they turn around and go all the way back. Jerusalem to the disciples Mm -hmm. banging on the door because they're all scared in a room behind a locked door. And they said, You're not going to believe this. We were on the road to the mass. We were, Jesus joined us. And they're telling the story. Well, then the Bible says that at that moment, poof, Jesus appears supernaturally, Mm -hmm. didn't go through the door, just appears. In the ri- can you imagine those poor guys jumping again? They yeah, was just
0: his, freaking out. He disappears
1: out. <laughs> in front of them then he appears in front of them. I always felt sorry for. That. But yeah, the two guys of the road to Emmaus, yeah. the apostles saw him on mm-hmm. several occasions. Thomas touched him, touched the scars. Uh, you got Thomas, yeah. Then as you mentioned more than 500 people at once and then James the Lord's brother. Now, this
0: is an important one. Because James didn't believe. So James is the actual brother of Jesus, spent his time not believing, because that would be a tough thing to to admit that your brother is the son of God. Right. Um, and so what would do the trick? Well, the, the resurrected Lord would do the trick yes. to um, show that, that he really is God. And so we know that James actually becomes sort of like the bishop of Jerusalem, um, and Josephus who is a recognized Jewish historian actually records that in sixty a d James was unlawfully stoned by this the sanhedrin um, and so we actually have a historical record I believe the Bible is a historical record for but even if you don 't believe it's Authoritative. We have Josephus recognizing that James is a real person, that he believed in Jesus, and that he was stoned to death for his faith. He in was Christ. martyred, yeah, for his first faith in Jesus Christ. And so,
1: Evan, what's important important is the witnesses were independent of one another. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Uh, there was no collusion, and and again, there was an initial disin- initial inclination to disbelieve by most of these people. And so, you have to understand that 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 carries great evidence and weight of evidence that those who saw him are people of integrity and their testimony can be trusted.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, as we move on, do you want to maybe hit, just take three or four minutes, and if you've got um, anything else in mind, maybe hit kind of a lightning round of, um, you know, why we can trust the resurrection. I know for me, one thing that comes to my mind, I want to find the quote that I want to use here. Um, In that day um the the idea of a woman's testimony it was considered lesser than a man's. Well, we know that the first people to discover the empty tomb were women. Yes. And so in that day a, a woman's testimony wasn't counted as credible. So if they're going to make up a story in which Jesus, you know, if they're sitting years later or whatever writing to try and make up some story that Jesus rose from the dead, it would make absolutely no sense to make the first people to discover the empty tomb Women, um, because their testimonies weren't trusted. Um, they weren't seen as somebody credible. I'm trying to find my quote here. Um, basically, the 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 concept of the day for Jewish men, I'm paraphrasing here, they would wake, wake up and pray and basically thank God that they weren't made a woman. Yes, thank God I'm not made a woman. That's true. <laughs> Literally <laughs> that we pray, was, thank that, God
1: that they aren't women. Which is which is obviously pitiful. We're yeah, not very for wrong. That. But, um, yeah, that and I think in that sense, um, uh, it validates um, uh, the, the fact that the sharing of the gospel is not, thank God, not gender based. I mean, mm-hmm. all of us, m- men and women who have been born again, we have a responsibility to tell the story that Jesus Christ is alive and he lives to save us from our sins. So I think that's fantastic. Um, I, I think maybe the way to end this podcast today is um just talk about the positive implications of the resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. you know we we talked earlier about what paul said with the negative implications of what if it what if it hadn't happened yeah but let's talk for just a few minutes on why it's so great that it did happen that Jesus rose from the dead I think the first one is and this is why it's important it confirms his identity as the son of God mm-hmm okay he 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 was who he said he was and he this is interesting jesus actually predicted his death multiple times and so he didn't just predict he would predict that he was going to die but mm-hmm. he gave all the details yeah multiple times i mean i can predict that i'm going to die but i can't tell you how i'm going to die <clears throat> but he knew exactly how he was going to die and he knew that, and he said, three days later, I'm going to come back to life. Mm-hmm. And it happened. And so who uh, was it? C.S. Lewis that said he's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. Yeah. And, and so he wasn't a liar because what he said can be validated. He wasn't a lunatic. He was the Lord. And so the fact that he rose from the dead, you can have faith in the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the Son of God. You can have faith faith in that what he said he was going to do, he accomplished, which is to give his life a ransom for many, and that he is now the savior of the world. So that's powerful. So when we think about this Easter season, what's so important about Jesus coming out of the grave? He is the son of the living God yeah, and the lamb that was slain who can change my life and save me from my sins.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the the next one is that it validates the Old Testament prophecies foretelling his death and his resurrection. I think foretelling foretelling his death it brings to mind uh, the prophecy in Isaiah, which is the suffering servant that he would be bruised for our iniquities and crushed um, for our trespasses and our wrongs doings. Like we we see these various Old Testament prophecies of this Messiah who would come and die for us, and um, that is recognized and Messiah is closely recognized. You know. Messiah and Christ are the same thing, and that's recognized by the son of David. And I think it's interesting that as you read the New Testament, you you find many people referring to him as the son of David, or they're recognizing he's the Christ. Even the apostle Peter recognizes him as the Christ. And Isaiah foretells of a Messiah, of a Christ who would actually come and die for his people. And so we see him fulfilling that Old Testament prophecy there through his death.
1: Well, exactly, and then there's a really key scripture. It's in Psalm sixteen ten, and and it basically says, and and you got to remember, it's a messianic psalm. Mm-hmm. It says, "For you will not leave my soul in hell, uh, or Sheol, nor will you allow your holy one to experience corruption." And that is one of those Old Testament key verses talking about the Messiah, ultimately talking about Jesus. And when I you say, "Well, you talk about hell, but, you know, Christ and Sheol," well, let, let me explain. Prior to the resurrection, when you died, there was a compartment in the earth. It's still there. In the Hebrew, it was called Sheol. In the Greek, it's called Hades or hell. It's the same place, and it was divided into two compartments. There was upper Sheol, lower Sheol, upper Hades or lower Hades, or upper hell, lower hell. Upper Hades was also called Abraham's bosom, and when you read Jesus' story about Lazarus and the rich man, we get greater details about this. If you died in your sins— Okay, now you're separated from God by sin and death. You would go to lower Sheol or lower Hades. It was a place of torment. If you died a believer, then you were separated to God by death, okay? But you were right with God. But there was no access to heaven yet Mm -hmm. because death had not been conquered. The Bible says that Satan had the authority over death at that point. So you would go to upper Hades or upper Sheol, which was Abraham's bosom. It was a place of comfort. But people were separated from the presence of God, okay? So that's the whole point is, in their mindset, when you died, then you went into the heart of the earth, okay? And so then you were separated from the presence of God, which was not a positive thing. Yeah, The writer is saying that you will not allow the Holy One to go into hell or his body to become corrupted and decayed. And that is exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And you and I talked about this. There is an interesting concept there that when Jesus died, the first place he went was Upper Hades. Ephesians talks about he led captivity captive and ascended on high. Mm -hmm. Who was in captivity? The people who had died in Christ but were held in this Abraham's bosom, they were captive there, but they weren't in the presence of God. When Jesus conquered de- sin, and and when ultimately he was going to conquer death, so in a, in a in a preliminary action to what He knew was going to happen, He was going to conquer death, He goes into Upper Sheol and tells them, "I'm the one you've been looking for." Mm-hmm. So He went to hell, but His soul didn't stay there. Yeah, He said, "I'm the one." He said Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet was there. He said, "I'm the one that you prophesied about." And each prophet, he started calling him out. And he mm-hmm. said, you talked about me. And man, could you imagine how excited they got? And he said, now, come on and follow me because we're leaving this place and I'm going to take you to heaven. Yeah. And now, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord because I'm going to conquer death here in a couple more days and, and I'm going to go ahead and empty all out now. And the reason why I know that happened, we put pieces together, we talked about when Jesus was hanging on the cross, uh, he told that thief, believed in him, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say today you will be with me in Sheol. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. And paradise was not Abraham's bosom. Paradise is heaven. I can Mm -hmm. show you other scriptures where paradise is a reference to heaven. So uh, it is very possible that the, the thief who died on the cross was the first believer who died. And instead of going to upper Hades or Sheol was the first believer who, when he died, Got to go straight to heaven.
0: That's crazy. That's
1: cool, isn't it? That's crazy. Yeah, but again, going back, that was just a little. That was a little rabbit trail. That was free. But <laughs> but back the scriptures. I'll tell you another Old Testament scripture. Um, Jonah, the story of Jonah. Yeah, As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly mm-hmm. of the, the whale. Jesus would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It validated. The and scriptures. Jesus said he would give you the sign of Jonah as well. Right. And which, here's the thing what does that mean? So, what's all this mean? What it means is you can trust the Bible. Yeah. Because if the Bible foretold these things and it's true, then you can trust the Bible. Yeah. So, exactly. uh, here's the big one it demonstrates the resurrection demonstrates that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. Yeah. And that's a big one. And we often talk about that. Um, it, you know, it took a particular person, it took Jesus. God, robing with flesh, living a sinless life. He had to be pure, just Mm -hmm. like the lamb had to be without defect or fault. The Passover lamb. Jesus was without defect, without fault, sinless. And he died the death for us. And we know that God accepted his sacrifice. And how do we know? Because he raised him back from the dead.
0: Yeah. Sin didn't have dominion over him. Sin did not conquer him. Sin, with its death that it brings didn't conquer him he conquered he conquered sin, sin.
1: yeah and then because he conquered mm-hmm. sin
0: then he was qualified to conquer death. yeah and I think it's I think it's a great I don't know if I'm going a rabbit share all here but a great almost enthronement ceremony that as Jesus is hanging out on the cross they put the sign king of the Jews with a crown on his head and how true is that and then three days later he ascends to sit on the throne and the heavenly Jerusalem to rule and reign as the king over the kingdom of God um, with his brand new people.
1: They had no idea what they were doing. gets why he said, "Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing." Yeah. And I've I've preached a sermon where the the chief priests were there that day in front of Pilate, demanding that he be crucified. They didn't even realize they were operating in a priestly role. It was the priest's job to demand that the Passover sacrifices were were mm-hmm. um, were slain and were offered. Wow. That was their job, and they didn't even realize that day that. They were making the ultimate demand in their priestly role. Yeah. They were doing it out of vile and viciousness because they hated Jesus, but they didn't even realize it that they were doing their job. Wow! The, the lamb had That's to be great. slain. The sacrifice had to be offered, yeah. and they said, "Crucify him." And they thought they were just getting rid of a problem. What they didn't knew, know was they were, they were they were they were they were motivating and they were pushing and propelling the ultimate
0: sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. That's powerful. That's awesome, isn't it? And I think as we look at this, this has practical, impl- impl- wow, I don't podcast much. Practical implications for their for our lives now. Um, I I, <clears throat> I know we talked about this earlier in Romans chapter six, starting in verse five. I'm going to read just till eleven. Here's what Paul says. He says, For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, so that union with Christ, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been been has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead in deeds of sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, that is a powerful picture of union with Christ, where we unite in his death, and where we die to sin, just as Jesus did, but also because of the resurrection, we're united in his resurrection to live a life to God or for God, no longer slaves to sin because we've died to that, but in freedom in his resurrection life.
1: Salvation is not reformation. Salvation is transformation, and it is a transformation that does not occur from without. That's what religion tries to do. Mm -hmm. It is a transformation that occurs from within, due to the presence of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. yeah, I am transformed, and I am living in Christ. I am positionally in Christ, but I am also in Christ spiritually, and Christ is in me. So when we talk about living right and serving God, and when you get saved, you serve him, and you live right, and you live a holy life, that's not some ideal, that's not some high and lofty goal that mm-hmm. you hope maybe every once in a while you hit. It is a possibility 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because the life of Christ in you enables you, empowers you
0: yeah. to do
1: what you could not do before. Yeah. BC, before Christ. And and that's the beautiful transformation. And that's why there's a renewing of the mind, is that I don't have to sin. I don't have to choose sin, but it's not just that. I can live right. I can mm-hmm. serve God. I can make right decisions and everything. Yeah. And I can become more like. Christ and less like me. And like John the Baptist, he can increase and I can decrease mm-hmm. and I can become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And it's not laborious and tedious. And you know, I'm trying to serve God and this is so hard. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not like it's always going to be easy. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a fighting of your flesh and the devil in the world. But the point is you're guaranteed victory. Yeah, And it's something that you can do. And there's a joy in serving the Lord. Yeah. And and you're having this wonderful relationship with Christ and you're experiencing his life and his presence and his power and his love and it's spiritual and it's real. We're so fleshly and we live such a, a fleshly existence and a flesh oriented existence. And yet when we're alive, the spirit man becomes like we enter into this whole new world of the of walking and living in the spirit and experiencing the spiritual life, which takes us so far
0: but it opens up the world of the supernatural. Mm-hmm. And this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. He, through his resurrection, resurrects us. This is when when he says that he's going to give us living waters. It's the Holy Spirit bringing us, our, our spirit person, alive again. It's that abundant life, that eternal life. Jesus uses life in so many different contexts and ways, and it's this life we now live through his life.
1: New life helps me to love like I can never love before. New life in Christ helps me to love my enemies, mm-hmm. who I want to hate. New life in Christ opens my eyes that now the Bible makes sense and I want to read it. Mm-hmm. New life in Christ helps me when I'm listening to a preacher that now I'm in, I'm totally engrossed in it and I understand it and yeah. it's feeding me. New life in Christ makes spending time in prayer is an intimate occasion that I can't wait to get to every time because I can feel his presence and he's actually listening to me. This is real. This isn't just a religious effort. It's it's transcendent. I mean, this is powerful. It's just unbelievable. That's what I'm talking about. It's It makes, it makes what we do in Christ real and authentic and alive, unlike religion. And I really want to point mm-hmm. that out, the life in Christ. And I guess that just tra- segues to the final thought is, I enjoy this life now, but when I die, here's the great part, Yeah, w- because of the resurrection, and I, if I die, I'm going to live again. Wow. So the resurrection guarantees the believer's resurrection. Paul huh. said the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to our bodies mm-hmm. one day. I think you just read that. And, and so what does the resurrection of Jesus do? It shows us plainly that God... God has the power to raise people from the dead and that that includes us.
0: And earlier you said that he was the firstborn, right? He's kind of the first fruit and the first fruit um, of, of what we're going to experience. And so finally, when we think of resurrection, we will experience a bodily resurrection when Jesus comes back for us just like he did three days later from the grave. Paul says that if we're going to enter the kingdom of God, the fullness of this kingdom, when Jesus comes back, this mortal must put on immortal, and this corruptible must put on incorruptible. So when Jesus comes back and he raises us from the dead, what is that day going to look like, and what are these bodies going to look like now in the fullness of the kingdom of God?
1: Well, I have really thought this through through the years, and so this is my explanation, and it it may Again, it may not be exactly right because I'm I'm just having to imagine from what limited knowledge, I, 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 I you and I believe in a, in a in a pre-millennial rapture that there's going to be a moment, the First Thessalonians 4 moment where the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet and call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Mm-hmm. Then we who which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them mm-hmm. in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So a day is coming when. Jesus is going to step over the battlements of glory and give a shout, and and he's going to resurrect the dead. Okay, if I died right now, I'm in heaven. My spirit is in heaven. I, 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 you can identify me. So I don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. That's why I just don't understand that. But I, I understand that on the on the day of the resurrection and the rapture, in a split second that is too fast, almost too fast to count, Okay. The
0: twinkling of an eye. I mean,
1: so fast that you're not even. It's it's not even the kind of thing that you can experience. It's that quick. The bodies are going to come out of the grave in a glorified state and be united with the spirit. Mm-hmm. So the spirit man comes down. The grave. I, I think the body may come out of the grave. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it, the body comes up out of the grave and is glorified, and in an instant my spirit comes into my what was my earthly body but now which is a glorified body which is which will be like Jesus body post resurrection yeah which is cool cuz he could pass through doors and walls without like dematerialized, then rematerialized,
0: and yet he's still a physical body. That's why Thomas touched him. He's a physical body. He could eat. Yeah. So you know, he what? had breakfast. He had breakfast. You can eat.
1: So I think it's we're going to function very much like we do now, but it's glorified. We, you can't mm-hmm. die. You can't sin. You won't sin. You can't sin. You can't die. You can't be harmed.
0: You'll probably a, have abs. Oh man, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah,
1: trade this barrel for a six, yeah for a six pack abs. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and so, uh, but yeah, but but. Uh, that's, and and so th- that's what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. And now you're this boom. You're you're joined, okay. And then now uh, in my mind, I'm, you know, I'm I'm on the earth now because the body has come up out of the grave. Mm-hmm. My spirit has come in. I'm, I'm so I'm here with the rest of the believers, okay. And then I'm going to go up. Yeah. Uh, and so the Lord was and the and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So then we're going to the dead will rise up. All right. And then say so you're still on earth. Then in that moment you'll experience this instant transformation and glorification of your body, but you're still living, Mm -hmm. okay? And then you rise up with us, and together we meet the Lord in the air. And then we come back to this earth, and we rule and reign with Christ for a 1,000 years, but we'll have glorified bodies that, like I said, will be like Jesus, and Mm -hmm. I think it's just going to be... Uh, It's just wonderful. It's a day I can't wait for. It's going to be awesome.
0: And the reason this is so important is when we look at the grand scheme of things, that through this resurrection, God is restoring everything that we lost through sin, that we are intended to bear the full unmarred image of God like we talked about last time. Um, So once again, we will have no sin. Our image won't be marred. That we were supposed to have life and not death. Death only came when sin entered the world, and now we have eternal life in Christ because sin is gone no more sickness or pain or tears or anything like that that's a result of sin sickness leads to death and that's eliminated and so God through Christ has now restored us to his original intentional design when he comes back for us and we get to live in the fullness of what he intended for us since the beginning of creation that's why the resurrection is important
1: paradise lost becomes paradise restored
0: yeah through Jesus Christ that's good through the
1: power of the resurrection
0: that's good Well, look, thank you so much for joining us for episode six of the Let's Talk About God podcast. I want to encourage you, as always, if you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe so that you can stay up to date on every episode we release. We release episodes every second and fourth Monday, every second and fourth Monday. So go ahead and subscribe. um, Rate us and leave a review with every rating, with every review. um, We get promoted more and more. And then finally, go ahead and just send this link to somebody else. Get somebody on the podcast, somebody who you think needs to hear this, um, that needs to hear the message of Jesus and or maybe even just wants to go deeper in their relationship with God. Go ahead and share this real quick. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We can't wait to see you in two.